This podcast was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team for the Junior Cycle Talks channel. Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Anne Ryan, Arts Advisor with JCT. This week I talked to cartoonist Luke Healy. Originally from Dublin, Luke has been cartooning since he was a teenager. His second book, Americana, made it into The Guardian's 2019 list of best graphic novels and comics. Luke describes cartooning as the art of summary, and he tells us what inspires him and how he creates his cartoons and graphic stories. We hope you enjoy listening. agreeing to do this if you can just maybe tell tell us a little bit about yourself and you started off doing journalism I believe at Dublin City University you completed that degree and then you moved into cartooning how did you do that I picked journalism straight out of secondary school and sort of arrived in DCU and found out pretty quickly that it was not a very good fit for me didn't really like it but I wasn't I wasn't really sure what else I, I wanted to do so I kept working through it for the first year and sort of at the end of the first year I had a moment where I was like I'm not happy like I really need to figure out what it is that I would rather be doing and I looked at my life and thought well like what is it that I actually enjoy spending time doing and for about two years I'd been making and posting comics online just as a hobby and I decided well that's like my favorite thing to spend my time doing I need to work out if there's a way to do that as a job and so I started searching up if there were university courses on that subject and I found um, a master's program in America and I really wanted to do it but in order to apply, I needed to have an undergraduate degree. So I decided to finish through and to sort of like grit my teeth and, and finish through the journalism course. Although in retrospect, the stuff that I learned studying journalism has been very helpful in my career as like a writer, creative, but mm. not a pure journalist myself. No. Okay. And you've never pursued that aspect of journalism, like working as a journalist, for instance, subsequently. So I had a job as a journalist for about eight weeks um, at, at wow. news talk and it was really terrible <laughs> it was really terrible at it. it just wasn't me you know I used to um I used to take all of the celebrity gossip stories off like on a, a newswire and sort of rewrite them and post them up so I, w- I was posting about like the Kardashians and stuff and I just had no interest in that yeah. um, and I had already made up my mind that I I wanted to be in cartooning so that was just sort of that was I did my work experience from DCU doing that and then continued on for a little bit afterwards and then just fully cut time and run but I've done a lot of non-fiction yes. comics and so the sort of skills of you know journalism research all of that has definitely come in useful and storytelling really I mean yeah, stru- definitely yeah. also I think journalism a, a big part of what you learn is how to be extremely concise because you you know you don't have a lot of space if you're writing for print usually mm-hmm. and that's sort of like brevity and clarity like you really do need that in comics because comics sort of suffer from the same concern even in a whole book you know really the amount of words that you can use is small so you have to be able to like really trim down get exactly to what you want to say right away without any frills yeah absolutely just I suppose when you were at school because you've got the interest in in cartooning and you've been doing that before you even went to university was art a strong area for you is that something that you were really interested in anyway so I I really enjoyed it I did art for leaving cert and I really enjoyed the classes I would not describe myself as 
being having done particularly well i think maybe i got like a, a c or a b but i just really loved it you know and so even though i i had a, a hard time sort of translating that into like good work for a long time i just really i i liked the process and so i ended up just sort of sticking with it i guess and i think even now you know comics making is you could sort of think of it as like it's a third you know, drawing, it's a third writing, and it's sort of a third, you know, designing and organizing and, and all the other stuff. And and really, I think like my weakest area still is the pure drawing of it. But I, I did, I did like art a lot. I'm really glad that I, I took it. Yeah. Linking that on then to my next question, how would you describe yourself then? Are you a cartoonist? If I, if somebody just asked me in casual conversation, I would say cartoonist. Sometimes it's better to use other terms depending on what sort of jobs you're applying for at that moment. You know, if you're trying to do, you know, standalone illustrations for magazines, newspapers, websites, like it's much more marketable to call yourself an illustrator. Um, you know, when you're approaching publishers to work on books, it's sometimes better to describe yourself as an author. But I think when it sort of comes down to it, a cartoonist is the most accurate, best term for what I do. And when you were young as well, you talked about doing cartoons and comics early on as a teenager. What comics did you read when you were younger? So when I was like a, a really little kid, I was into the Beano and the Dandy, which I don't know if they still exist anymore. But they for you know, decades were these like weekly, you know, British humor comics, which I, I really liked. I sort of grew out of them. And then never did the, you know, the superhero stuff that was sort of more popular when uh, when I was a teenager. But in, in the mid 2000s, when I was in secondary school, there was like a big movement online with people starting to post web comics for the first time. You know, this is just pre-social media. And there was just like right when sort of, you know, Twitter and Facebook came in, there was this huge explosion of people being able to share their work suddenly. And so this world of like online independent comics that were, you know, being made by people just in their bedrooms started taking off. And I got really interested in that. Yeah, that sounds great. And does that sort of thing still exist now? It's very different now. I think the same sort of principle exists where there are a lot of independent artists sharing comics online that you can't find easily. But I think now people are much more interested in doing shorter stuff that's easy to share. So, you know, they'll make a comic for Twitter. That's, you know, one page. Whereas back then people were doing these like grand epics. They were basically making books, you know, hundreds of pages on their own websites, like dedicated. And that still exists. But I think it's a less popular choice now these days. Okay. So... Uh, what does a typical working day look like for you then as a cartoonist? So, well, at the moment, it's a bit unusual, um, but usually I, I like to try to divide my time up between writing, drawing and admin, because they, they really are like different mindsets, different tasks. So usually when I wake up, I've been doing cartoons for The New Yorker, which is a magazine for a little while, and they do like single panel sort of joke uh, comics like little newspaper comics and so I, I wake up I try to write eight of those and then I'll pick my favorite one and draw it just as like a warm-up and then I'll move on to writing and thumbnailing which is like doing rough sketches of pages for my next book and then after that I'll switch gears to drawing a page I try to draw a page every single day which doesn't always happen but I, I try my best and then after that, if I have time left before sort of my, my work schedule finishes, at the moment, I'm trying to like learn more about storyboarding for television and film. So I do like online classes and, and read uh, textbooks about that. 
Wow. So you've got stuff that you've been commissioned, presumably, for The New Yorker to do some of the work and you're working on your next publication yourselves mm-hmm. and then researching. So you've got lots of different things going on all in the space of a day. That sounds sounds really interesting. I, I really like it. I've never been excellent at focusing on, you know, one thing. So getting to do a task for a few hours and then switch over to something different is like kind of a refresh. It like makes the it makes it a lot easier to, to go through a whole day, you know, especially because yeah. comics there are there really are so many different stages to creating a book like writing, planning all the visuals, doing all of the rough drafts, editing, doing ink, final art, coloring, like, you know, they're all part of a whole process. But it is nice when you're so tired of, you know, drawing pictures to be able to flip over and just be like, okay, I'm going to write some dialogue now. I'm just going to get that out. Um, Yeah, I mean, you've got a really good mix there, I think. And then learning new skills as well, like when you're talking about doing storyboarding and thinking about films, for instance, sort of consistently developing your craft. Yeah, I think with a lot of jobs where you freelance you you do really have to try to stay ahead of the curve a little bit and it's just always good to be like updating your skills and looking for new sort of avenues because you'll find that at least I have found in my career that you know something will be good for a few years like I used to do a lot of coloring for other people's books if they didn't have time they would commission me to just just go through and do all of the colors but that sort of has dried up now and so I've moved more on to doing these like magazine comics for places like the New Yorker and eventually I'm sure that'll dry up too and so having like a, a great arsenal of skills is is useful because it means you can transition into something else. Yeah, absolutely. And then with the New Yorker, for instance, do you have to come up with the jokes? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's the hardest part. So everybody who does um, stuff for the New Yorker, it's yeah, you you have to do everything, and you have to submit it every week at least five cartoons, and they might not even buy them. So it is very competitive. Wow, and there's some amazing ones. (laughs) You've got to kind of come up with that inspiration. Like, how do you do that? Where do those ideas come from in terms of, I suppose it's a bit like being a stand-up comedian in some ways, you know, like you have to come up with the jokes. Yeah, well, I actually have done a lot of um, stand-up. So that definitely helps, like, get just having sort of, you know, worked out joke writing muscles. But I think that the thing that I like in my comics writing or in, in, in especially if it's jokes, is I, I just, I really like it to be true opinions that I have like true thoughts you find like what are the unusual things that you think and then you like blow them out to sort of like a comedic version where they're like maybe the characters think them a lot more like intensely than you do but you know it's like it's some some strange ideas I mean a lot of people write comedy and funny comics by like trying to like observe the world and observe how it's absurd but I think everybody's like a total weirdo so you know looking inward is certainly one one technique that helps me yeah and so and you you were saying that you've done a bit of stand-up comedy yourself. yeah yeah I moved to London three years ago to to do comedy and I actually have been for the last year I've been um, an improv comedy teacher here which is the other part of my work and then I've been doing a lot of stand-up too I was going to go to um, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this summer but it just got (laughs) cancelled yeah unfortunate and do you gig at places in London then you Mm -hmm. do regular stand-up yeah yeah London has an amazing network of tiny tiny theatres above pubs and they're just like there's spaces to perform comedy every night you have to be very on top of emailing people to get spots but you know there's like a huge amateur and new comedy scene here and so it's it's a blast I really love it that's fantastic 
And going back to the cartooning, the book that you're working on at the moment, how do you capture your ideas during that process? Like, do you sketch? Do you take photographs? What, what do you do? So for me, it, it usually starts with words. And so I usually will try to write an outline. I might do a sketch or two, but I'm, I'm definitely more of like a verbal worker, I guess, than, than somebody who's immediately visual. And then I'll go back through everything. And when I want to make a draft of a book, I'll draw out, you know, I'll, uh, most of my work is in sort of a six panel grid. Like every page is the same. It's just a grid that I, that I have to fill in. And I'll go through and like write dialogue and then just put sort of stick figures in, stuff like that, just to mark where everything needs to be. And then I'll go back through and, and think how I want things to like actually look when they're polished and finished up. For me, I'm definitely stronger on the, the writing side of things. Um, and so I think doing it that way, like gives my brain a chance to sort of mull over the visuals, like slowly without having to try to force it through. Mm, that's interesting. Is, it, is there anyone who particularly inspires you? Any other cartoonist or artist or writer who particularly inspires you in your work? Definitely. Yeah. Um, my favorite cartoonist is a woman from Austria. Her name is Uli Lust. I think she's an incredibly talented cartoonist. She's only had two books translated into English, but I think they're like the best comics ever made. The first one is called Today is the Last Day of the Rest of Your Life. And the mm-hmm. second one is called How I Tried to Be a Good Person. And they're both sort of <laughs> memoirs of her. Um, she had a very sort of like wild youth. The first one is about her and her friend hitchhiking through Italy when they're 16 years old. It's a it's, it's a crazy true story. It's an amazing book. Okay. And so I suppose that brings us neatly into the publication Amer- Americana, mm-hmm. your book um, from 2019. Yeah. So, which tells the story of your hiking journey uh, across the Pacific Crest Trail in the United States. What inspired you to embark on that particular adventure? So I had, as you can probably tell by my speaking voice, I because uh, I grew up in Ireland, but I sound very American. So, since I was a kid, I was really obsessed with the USA. Um, family went mm-hmm. on a, tr- a trip there when I was a kid, and I just like really got completely obsessed with it and american television and films are obviously on all the time and it's what it's what you're exposed to as a kid so i was really obsessed with it and i actually went to school there when i was talking about doing a a cartooning degree i did that in in the united states and i had really really wanted to stay afterwards and work and i tried super hard to get a visa and to get a job there and things just weren't working out and so right when i was about to leave and come back to ireland i read a book called wild which is by a woman named Cheryl Strait. It's a great book. It's really brilliant. And in it, she writes about hiking on the Pacific Crest Trail. Then I, so I got back to Ireland and it was all I could think about. It had become like a focus for this like lifelong obsession. And I also was freshly out of college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You finished your master's in in America then in cartooning. And then and then this is when you came back to Ireland and you you became obsessed then with the idea of going back to do this, the PCT, the, the Crest mm-hmm. Trail. Yeah, I got really, it became sort of like a symbol of like, you know, my last, my last shot at being in America or whatever. And so mm-hmm. I spent two years like prepping and saving. The trail is like a, a wilderness trail that runs the length of the country from Mexico to Canada along the West Coast. And it's in very like rugged terrain. It's in like proper backcountry, you know, like when you're out on the trail, year you could be days away from a town and so you know I had never even gone camping before and so I was like well I better you know study up so instead of like practicing camping I just like read a bunch of books and like instructionals about it but it worked out okay (laughs) so different for you to, to actually experience that but I guess in terms of funding the trip I mean you obviously spent a lot of time 
preparing for it. In terms of funding it, I think you say in the book that you used, um, there was an advance for, um, you know, was it, you you secured some of the money from a book advance? Was that from an earlier Yeah, book so that or? was from my first book, um, which I was working on that, that whole time. Uh, I started working on it right after what, I graduated school. It's called How to Survive in the North. Uh, and it's like a nonfiction book about Arctic castaways in the early 20th century. It's a, it's a really interesting story, actually. I decided I really wanted to do something about this this true story of this woman called Ada Blackjack, who was sort of shipwrecked on a, an Arctic island. And in my research for that, which I, I had just read that story online somewhere, and in my research for it, I discovered that all of the sort of original source documents about that expedition, everything that was kept, was in a library about 10 minutes drive away from the like tiny town I, I lived in in America by complete coincidence. So I uh, I went to this library, this special collections library, and I got to read like her diary that she kept, you know, like 100 year old diary that was, you know, falling apart in my hands. Yeah, yeah it was amazing. It was a, a really cool experience. So. So I suppose you were you were already the start of your career as a as a writer, illustrator, cartoonist. You know, like you had your first book deal, and then you used some of the money then to go and do the actual uh, hiking journey of the PCT. In terms of that book, that's had a lot of critical success. Americana. How would you categorize? that particular book generally yeah I, I i would call it a memoir for sure i think the audience for my books is well they they have like mature content so i i guess like the for age range it would be like adults enough although i think like the in in the past like lots of places have shelved them with like young adult materials so and they've you know how to survive in the north did win prizes from the like junior library guild stuff like that so i think like teens and up but I think people who are just interested in in reading you know sort of emotional like human stories um often true stories that have a bit of humor uh, a lot of drama usually yeah definitely and the, definitely the humor comes through and you know there was some there's a real arc I think in this in Americana but I would even describe it as maybe it's quite a coming of age yeah for story. sure well, I, when I was writing that I really I wanted it to basically be you know like a love story between a person and a place I think it it sort of is like <laughs> this uh, this is how we'll send very corny but it's like it's like my breakup book it's like my breakup between me and the united states and i think there is something very like coming of age about that you know it's like this it's your first heartbreak the year i hiked was during the 2016 election so it was very like politically charged and i got to see a side of the country that was maybe more more realistic and and less sort of rose-tinted glasses you know than when I'd, I'd lived there as a younger person and so i i do think i'm i'm over it a little bit yeah as soon as i got back i moved to london i was like well all right sorry sorry usa you're out UK it is yeah. and what I was going to ask you as well as critic I think it's from probably from the Washington Post I think you've been described as a master of stitching together narrative threads and I think that in in Americana the illustrations they're all very much about the present about the actual the hiking journey um while the written sections you know go back to the past how it's you know how your past experiences have led you to to go on the journey was that difficult to decide on that kind of structure I mean it works really really very well and it's really seamless but was that difficult or is that very much part of your process it's definitely time? something that I I try to I try to do, sort of play with time in in all my work I think because in comics 
because comics are so they're so you can read them so quickly you know you can sit down really and read a 300 page book in you know a few hours if you, if you wanted to and so i think that often there is a a problem that i have with comics is they often they kind of feel quite small and sort of enclosed and i think using sort of playing with perspective and time and like showing somebody here and showing them there and then allowing them to understand the relationship between these different moments and happenings is I think it makes um, work feel a lot more expansive and full and it makes it feel more like you know like a novel like you're you're sitting down to like read a story you're like digging in there's like substance and and meat and I think sometimes when it's just consecutive scenes that are all you know they all take place like in order you see them through it can it can feel sort of brief in a way that I don't like so I, I usually do try to come in with like a pre decided structure and I knew that the two things I wanted to talk about in Americana were my past relationship with America and the hike and so dividing those up into like distinct sections was um, and then sort of like intercutting them was was the solution to that but in in, in my other book you know in, yeah. in How to Survive in the North for example like that takes place over three different time periods and they're all intercut as well and so I think this mm. the sort of switching between perspectives it just yeah it just gives a sense of like fullness to the work that I, I really like yeah I think Thank that you. works really well I suppose what is easier then for you is it easy to do the writing or the illustrations I mean there's you know there's fair bits of like really well written pro oh, prose there in in, the, in your so like what's easier for you it's all part of the same process you know like I really try to look at making a book as like a single task if I can you know when I'm writing like I would never sit down and write like a script per se I might write like a very basic outline but once it comes to planning out the substance of what the book is going to be I will do that with like rough pictures and the dialogue at the same time like it all has to be together even the prose sections in um, Americana like I wrote them out into a grid as though they were going to fit on a comics page and then just afterwards like slotted them back together as to be one piece that's interesting yeah I didn't think I, I yeah, think like the big a big skill that often is sort of underdeveloped in new cartoonists is this like sense of rhythm and pacing that is like it's very difficult to teach somebody they just have to make a lot of pages to understand how to like pace something out but the best tool in my opinion for understanding how stuff will feel when you read it is to just draw it into a grid as though it's the the layout of the final page okay and would you say that you're previous experience doing journalism has helped you I suppose, in yeah definitely the comics they it's it's sort of like a, a thing that people say is like comics is the art of summary you know when you draw a cartoon version of you know a person you're drawing the most like stripped back symbolic version of them really and it's the same way with the writing mm. when when we read a page of comics you know, your brain, it reads the pictures and the words at the same time. It's not like you switch, you know, you don't read the words, then look to the picture. You sort of take it in at the same time. And so everything has to be paired back, which is why if you had an actor stand on a stage and read dialogue from a comic, it would sound like insane like, because nobody talks in these like little chunky sentences. But if similarly, if you took the script from a play and you transferred it into panels in a comic, it would just look like an enormous amount of text and it would really overwhelm everything. So it is. Yeah, it's 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 something. Mm -hmm. It's a real art, isn't it, to be able yeah, to Yeah, it's, it's definitely its its own medium, you know. Like I said, I've been trying to 
learn storyboarding, which feels like it should be the same process. You know, it's just sequential images with dialogue, but it's it's so distinct. You know, just the fact of like one thing will be on a screen in motion versus one thing will be still on a page. Like it's just you've really got to learn a whole new set of rules. So yeah, comics is is definitely its own its own art. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose thinking about writing, you know, your own sort of background there and what kind of books do you read? Do you read novels? Do you read travel? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. It's funny. I just did like the Marie Kondo, like art of tidying up thing. And, you know, her whole thing is you can only keep the the things that like truly bring you joy. And I went through my bookshelves and got rid of like almost all of my books. But the things that were left were almost all memoirs and travel writing and so and it was lots of comics and and lots of prose and so I I do think that just is something that has you know captured my imagination for a long time yeah absolutely I think it sounds it sounds very much so can just going back to the hike then from Americana did you keep a journal during the actual trip did you write a daily journal you know how did you capture the ideas and your reflections I suppose during the actual mm -hmm. hike well, I I wanted to, and I kept it for one day, and then stopped, and then stopped because I was so you know when you're hiking. So I I did what's you know called a through hike, which is when you try to do the whole trail in one season. So you really have to keep up a pretty fast pace the whole time. And so I was just like so exhausted every day that as soon as I stopped walking, I just like went immediately to sleep. Barely had you know the energy to set up a tent. So the journal went out the window pretty quick. I also didn't want to keep carrying it, so I like talked tossed it in a bin at the first possible moment but for me when I when I sat when I'd finished and I'd come home and I'd sat down I decided I wanted to write about it and I thought back everything in this instance was just so sort of like visceral and memorable because it was so unlike the any other time in my life you know and right afterwards I could have told you you know, the mile marker of every single place that I'd slept for all, you know, 150 nights. It just was very memorable. Wow. Also, I think like, you know, memory is imperfect. But I, when I'm writing, like I want when somebody reads it, I want them to I want them to understand how it felt to be there and not necessarily the like precise mm -hmm. facts of being there. That's not to say I put anything untrue in. Mm -hmm. But when I went back to look at like photo reference, for example, online for, you know, a specific, you know, mountain range or area of the trail. And I would look at the photos, you know, I could have traced that photo over and it, the mountains were just look so tiny, you know, but when you're there, they just look so ginormous and sweeping. And, and it's the kind of thing as you, you, I try to like write and draw how it felt to be there in as honest a way as possible. And that for me is like the more important Thing. Yeah, I think it really comes through. I suppose just a couple of final questions then. How do you know then when a piece is done that it's ready, like that you're happy with it? The only part that that sort of arises for me is in the like writing and editing stages. Because I think, you know, when it comes to drawing a page, there's like a set a series of steps that I follow. You know, I'll do a thumbnail, I'll pencil it, I'll ink it, I'll color it. And once it's colored, like it's to be done. I try not to get too fussy about stuff like that. But in terms of sitting down and writing the book, you know, and how many edits can you do? How many passes to like tighten things up and, and get it really perfect? It's, this is such a cop out, but you can't, it's kind of just intuitive. Like you just sort of feel it. Or I, I do anyway. I feel like yeah. you get to a point where it's good enough and you're tired enough of looking at it that you're willing to like compromise and just be like, okay, this is it. This is done, you know? 
Okay. And then you were talking about, you know, the way you've divided up your day and you've got different projects that you're working on. What's the, the next book going to um, be about? So I'm writing a book called, it's called The Con Artists. And it's about these two guys and one of them, so they're, they're like best friends. And one of them has a, an accident and he is sort of, uh, he breaks his leg and he's like confined to his house. So the other friend has to take care of him. And when he does that, he starts to discover that this other guy is actually running a lot of like schemes and scams to like earn his money. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, inspired by true events, but it's a little more fictionalized. It's always satisfying to, to work on something new. And it's the same thing where it's in, it's still in pretty early stages. So it's in like a very rough shape. But I can sort of see in my mind's eye what it could be like when it's done. So I, I feel confident it'll it'll be a good one. And is that set it, in America? It's set in London. Or is it... yeah. Okay, so you've definitely That's moved. That's it, yeah, moved. I'm done. <laughs> that sounds great. I suppose just to finish off the interview then, thinking about kind of work that you're in, into, like cartooning, graphic illustrations, writing, you know, what kind of advice might you give somebody at school now maybe Who's thinking about? Um, yeah, well, I think that, that the you know the the sort of age old wisdom of practice makes perfect is the most important thing for for any skill, I guess. But you can help yourself a lot by making things often and finishing them. Short things. Don't get too ambitious. Make a you know a five page comic, photocopy it, give it to your friends, stuff like that. In terms of making you know maybe college choices or career choices, I think studying something that is adjacent to cartooning could be a really good idea because there's not a lot of like courses for it really available so something like animation um or you know literature writing um or illustration i think would be really good choices because they would set you up with you know like maybe a more clear career path and then you can work on comic stuff on the side and yeah just make a lot of stuff share it online pitch it and yeah just let make it then tell everybody i guess is the the true the true kernel of advice just make a lot of stuff show it to as many people as you can great thank you so much for uh giving us your time today luke we really appreciate it and we hope to keep in touch and it'll be great to to um, follow up thank you thanks for having me i really enjoyed talking to luke healy it was fascinating to get such an insight into his life as a cartoonist There's obviously a lot of skill involved in being able to write so concisely using the six-panel grid, while at the same time creating stories that have real substance. I wasn't a regular reader of graphic novels or comics before, but my curiosity has definitely been sparked, and I'm looking forward to reading more of these kinds of texts from now on. To view examples of Luke Healy's work, check out the Arts and Junior Cycle section on the JCT website. We hope you enjoyed listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast, which was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team for Junior Cycle Talks podcast channel. To hear more from Junior Cycle Talks, search for us on SoundCloud or anywhere you listen to your podcasts.